Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 81 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today went from being homeless and living out of her car to building and selling her tech consultancy firm for, wait for it, quarter of a billion dollars. Dorna St. Louis is one of those people that against all the odds has come out on top with an insatiable desire to help others get there too. In fact, she is on a mission to help a million business owners become millionaires. Her business mentor was a veteran FBI hostage negotiator who taught her the art of negotiating her way to anything she desired. As a highly sought-after keynote speaker, she has entertained, educated, and motivated over a 100,000 people and delivered her first speech to Congress when she was just 25 years old. Dorna has appeared in countless media publications, including being featured on the cover of a leading innovation magazine. Oh, and get this, she is also a member of Mensa's Genius Club. It is my pleasure and honor to welcome to you a true fighter, a self-made millionaire, social entrepreneur, world-class international motivational speaker, business mentor, five-time best-selling author, award-winning visionary, professional golfer, certified genius, and complete bundle of laughs. Dorna, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Oh my God, that was an awesome introduction. I can't wait to meet me. <laughs> brilliant oh my god well, well listen coming coming from a keynote speaker who's spoken in front of a hundred thousand people that's a freaking huge compliment so thank you <laughs> no seriously and you could literally this whole podcast thing you could stop this you could stop anything else you're doing you can just go around and do introductions <laughs> like that so, seriously I'll, that's your job from now on uh, okay, I, found your, I found your niche I'll take you up on your offer. Um, listen, I've got one question that's been bouncing around in my head when I was doing some research on you, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this after hearing that intro are probably scratching their heads and saying, oh, ho hold on a second here, okay? How does someone in the Mensa Genius Club end up homeless? <laughs> Sorry. Carefully. It's planned. You plan that crap out. Um, <laughs> that's what you do. Um, you know, you know there's, there's this thing that I always tell people is that we are so in pursuit of perfection that we forget that there are pitfalls along the way. Mm -hmm. And there are several pitfalls along the way. Well, my pitfall ended up being when uh, I had a guidance counselor uh, a year after I graduated high school in the United States. Um, basically tell me what my life was going to amount to because I had done nothing with uh, for a year after I got out of high school. 
So here it is. I graduated. I had a good GPA. I didn't go to college. I, I didn't have a job. I was kind of just BSing. And so he gave me, after he told me what the government statistics said that I would end up being, which was going to be basically a drug addicted mother with five children, three of whom would be in jail, oh um, one that would be dead and one that would follow in my footsteps. And my footsteps included me being on drugs. Um, he said, what I would prefer for you to do is one of these three things. Because right now, what your life is going to do is eat away my tax dollars. Oh and I would prefer my. to keep my tax dollars in my pocket. God. So he told me to either, <laughs> to A, go into the military. So he gave me a business card of, of a guy in the military. B, take some cash that he had on his desk. He said, here's some cash. Go put the cash in that piece of crap car that you pulled up in. And start driving north and get out of the state. <laughs> or C... <laughs> See, take this bottle, not just one, take the whole bottle of codeine pills and just kill yourself now. So Wait, Donna, come on now. We, we, this is a joke, right? This is not a real... No, no, this, this was my guidance counselor. He was my guidance counselor. Dude, that guy... And it was... What? Yeah, and that was the best, that was the best slap in the face anyone could have ever given me. Whole, first of all, have you met this guy since? Oh my gosh! Yes, what? Yeah, we were we were very good friends before he passed away. But he knew. Listen, a lot of people have the same reaction you do. They're like, "Oh my gosh!" But what you really have to do is you have to know how to motivate someone. And basically, what he said was, "I know you're bullheaded, and I'm going to tell you that you're going to be a failure. The government knows you're going to be a failure. I know you're going to be a failure. And since you're going to be a failure, I would prefer that you not." Uh, eat away my tax dollar. So here's your three choices. So I was, I was literally like, well, screw you, buddy. <laughs> I'm not going to be a failure. That's what Who I would do you said. think you are? Wow. Right? That's you- what a lot of people would do. But what that did was it forced me to do something different because what I was doing at the time was nothing. And doing something other than what I was doing was literally better than doing nothing. What did your parents think of you? Well, I grew up with my mom, and do you, what did they think of me when I left? Or what did they think of me now? Or what did they think of me in high school? Because those are three different thoughts. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with growing up. I mean, your 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 mother. You said your mother. Your father was. They got divorced, or they or he. My my yeah. My father. And my mom got divorced when I was around two years old. So it was always just me. Me and my mom. You and your mom. Okay. Um, yeah, my mom actually would tell anyone that I was one of the easiest kids to raise. She would always say that. And when I told her that I was going to get in, in my car and, and head north and get out of the state of Florida and go to New York, um, she gave me a hug. She gave me a kiss. And she said, I think it's the best thing that you could do. And she told me after, you know, significantly later that she cried for about two weeks wow. because she was just like, I, she was like, I could be sending my daughter off to die. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to her. But she believed all in all that she had really given me. Uh, all the tools that she could give me up to mm-hmm. that point to do whatever it was that I needed to do to find my path. So what changed? What was like that moment of the click, you know, that point where you, you got out of your rut? Because you were obviously well, at a very low point and then suddenly, yeah. boom, right? Right. So I'm so so my car, you know, even though even though Mr. Mott, the counselor gave me twenty five dollars and told me to get on the road. The one thing that he didn't tell me was um, to make sure that my car heard an oil change or it was going to 
break down on the side of the road. (laughs) And it did. (laughs) Like, I didn't know anything about cars. I'm like, you put gas in them, right? Um, So, so, so I, you know, I was not smart enough to know anything about like, oh, you put gas in cars. Um, (laughs) You do stuff other than put gas in cars. So my Mm -hmm. car actually broke down on the road and um, it broke down far enough into like this wooded area to where (laughs) I was stuck. I mean, it wouldn't start in the morning. Okay. So I ended up staying there. What changed was actually a police officer um, after the, the winter leaves had started falling off. He could see me and he said, what in the heck are you doing here? Hold on, hold uh, on. Back up, back up. Okay. Now we're not letting you go there, Donna. What do you mean? No, no, go ahead. What, what do you mean? The, 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 how long were you, were you sleeping in your car for? Oh, six months. Shut up. Come on. What? Yeah, two seasons, spring and summer. Okay, when the fall sorry. came around, the, the leaves started changing colors and they started falling off and my car was very visible. All right, but I'm talking to a genius here. I'm talking to somebody who built up a $250 <laughs> million dollar corporation, okay? I'm not talking to some... Yeah, like, what, what do you mean? No, no, what? at the time you were talking to a high school student who was literally a year out of high school and had done nothing for that year and had no idea what to do. So what did the you do one, all day? What were you doing all day for oh six months? Oh my gosh, months? Let, me tell you, let me tell you some of the most important things that you will discover about living in your car. The first thing that you will discover is the most important thing you can have, um, especially when you have curly hair and it's humid, is conditioner. Um, <laughs> I need to <laughs> shower every day. Like, crazy. So there was a YMCA that wasn't far. A YMCA is um, uh, it's like a, a gym area over here where, where people can go and they work out. And, mm-hmm. um, well, they had at the YMCA, there was a guy who worked there and he used to get there early in the morning. And I knew this because he blasted his loud music as he, as he passed the, the area where my car was parked. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I used to go, because, I mean, he was really loud, and I, I watched him when he parked, and he used to scream <laughs> at having to wash the windows. I'm not kidding you, at the gym. <laughs> scream at it. He hated it. <laughs> and so I walked over one day, and it had to look so weird, because you got this basically wild-looking animal woman coming out of the woods, <laughs> right? <laughs> going, I've been watching you for several days now. <laughs> Which is exactly what I said to the guy. Oh like, my. I've been watching you for several days. He's like, uh, I think he like threw food at me or rocks or something. No way. <laughs> and I, I told him, I said, I just, I said, I just want to wash the windows for you in exchange for a shower. That's all I want. Wow. And, and soap. <laughs> and soap. Oh. You know. And, uh, and he said, really? And I said, yeah, you hate it. I obviously, but I'll come here every day before you get in and I'll be here waiting for you and I'll wash the windows for you. And he said, really? Um, what if I want you to wash down the gym equipment too? And I'm like, okay, I'll wash down the gym equipment too, but I'll wash down the gym equipment in exchange for, it's like a power bar, like a cereal bar, something to eat. Mm-hmm. And he said, cool. So he let me do it. So every day I took a shower, I washed my hair, I brushed my teeth. I took my clothes that were dirty and at least I was able to rinse them out and let them dry back at my car. And I had a cereal bar that I could eat every day. And I got to tell you, it sounds like, you know, drinking water from the shower and eating cereal. And he, he started giving me two cereal bars. Mm-hmm. Then he, he really realized that I was homeless and he started bringing me a breakfast. 
So I had breakfast in two cereal bars and water from a shower every day. I had more than some people in this world at that time because I also had a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping in my car. And I Don't had it. the most important thing ever, which was a radio because the battery on my car still worked. Donna, you you had a lot of time to yourself in that car, right? You probably spent yes. hours and hours. What were you thinking? Like, what was, I, I'm just so, I, I'll be honest, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded. Like, what what would be going through your head? Well, there, let me tell you, the first, um, the first nights for me were so terrifying because you know, it, it, here it's it's not safe to, to park at, at rest stops. So I knew I couldn't park at the rest stop. I knew I couldn't park on the side of the road. So of course, when I saw this little, okay, go, I had a little car. So I'm like, go into this path, into the woods, go deep enough where your car can't be seen, but that you'll feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a very smart thing to do because you couldn't see my car, obviously from either side of the road. The police never even went over there. So it's a very secluded area, but here's the worst thing about that. Do you know that snakes actually fall from trees on purpose sometimes? Oh, I, <laughs> there please. There are things when you're laying there at night and it's oh. pitch black and there's no lights. No. There are things that go thump and bump and no. they move around you. No, <laughs> I can't okay? hear this. <laughs> okay? I can't hear Those this. I hate snakes. Scare you. Oh, oh my. my gosh, I do too. And But those things scare you and it's not the snakes that, that drop at night that scare you. What really scares you is you know the next morning you have to get out of the car and you don't know where they are, but they know where you are. Oh, um, my God. Oh, my so God. So those, those things for me were very uh, – that for me was terrifying, not knowing what the thing was that was under the bed. You know, that was scary for me. So what changed? Um, you said that a police officer changed your life. Like, what, what yes. happened? Yes. There was, a, there was a police officer named Officer Smiley, um, <laughs> that, and, and it was his nickname. How appropriate. And I think – <laughs> Well, no, I think it was a totally, it was a BS nickname because he was not, he never smiled and he was so (laughs) grouchy all the time. He was the angriest person I've ever met in my life. Wow. And, and when he first met me, he just yelled at me for about 10 minutes about being (laughs) stupid. (laughs) So I was like for a full 10 minutes, this officer meets me and tells me I'm a complete idiot. Um, Wow. You have a really good uh, luck with meeting the right people. (laughs) Right people. Yeah. Guys just meet me and they start yelling at me. That's what happens. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I, and I think that actually does happen to, I do that to people sometimes because I see such strong potential in them and I'm frustrated that they're not using it. Hmm. So I actually kind of take it as a compliment if someone Mm -hmm. comes up to me now and yells at me. (laughs) Donna, you're a failure. You amount to nothing. You will never achieve any. There we go. All right. oh, you're using the wrong words. We'll work on that later. All right, um, so, <laughs> no, what he did was uh, he told me that he was going to, you know, that in three days my car was going to be towed. And I said, this is my home. And of course, I started crying. And he came back the next day with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm. And I'm 99.9% sure that his wife, he told his wife about the girl in the car. And his wife made him take the peanut butter <laughs> and jelly sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> so every day for probably about a month or so, he brought me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. He did not tow my car. And he told wow. me it was going to be getting cold soon and I was going to have to make different decisions. And mm-hmm. um, he's like, I don't see a coat in your back seat." Well, in Florida, in South Florida, it's very warm 12 months out of the year. Yeah. When you start heading north, there's this thing called winter and snow. <laughs> 
and it happens and I didn't know how to navigate winter and snow. I was like, people drive on ice? What the hell? <laughs> so, so he uh, he actually got me a job uh, as a customer service representative answering phones at a uh, local telephone company. Hmm. And that's how I ended up getting out of my car. And his wife and he paid for me to stay at a pay-as-you-go uh, weekly hotel mm-hmm. that was only maybe a block or two across from the job. So there's a huge gap here from you being homeless, sleeping in your car, to then getting a, a very low-paying job just to get by, sleeping in a motel, to then yep. selling a company for $250 million. Right? There's like a big yeah. gap over here, right? So Like 20 uh, years or so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Can we fill years. that gap? Like, how do we, how do we get there? What, what, how did you start the company? How did it grow? Like what changed? I want to know what changed in your mindset. I want to know what changed physically in terms of what you actually did. Yeah. What, what happened? Well, let's talk about the first thing. My mindset actually that propelled me to get in the car and drive north on I-95 and break down on the side of the road and not ask for help. That mindset, some of it being flawed, is the same mindset I had today. I, I am still just as bullheaded. If someone tells me I can't do something, my, the word, next words out of my mouth are watch me. Okay. Right? I'm a big believer. The people who say you can't do it should yeah. not be stopping the people who are doing it. Like, you, just yeah. move. Yeah, Dorney, you can't give me a very good testimonial at the end of this show. <laughs> okay. see what i did just there see, see what i did yeah that was really good <laughs> i like pretty... that little reverse psychology yeah <laughs> i love it yeah, watch we'll, we'll, we're going to um, talk about fbi hostage negotiation tactics a little bit a little bit later but uh yeah, keep going this is this is incredible yeah. so so i got this job as as this customer service representative and the work at the time it was very um repetitive these people would rent cars and the cars had phones in them so this is before you know, everybody had a phone with them all the time and, and yeah. cell phones. This is, this is back in, you know, the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so the company that I worked for used to actually have people call in to get their bill so they could give it to their company, you know, for expenses. So we had a lot of business travelers. And I noticed that it was the same. I handled everybody that was A through L from an alphabetical perspective. And I noticed that it was the same exact people calling me all the time. And I said, why can't we just be a little like preemptive here? Why can't we make sure that they have it? We know they're going to call. They're going to call on Friday. Why can't we just do something? And that was my term. I was like, why don't we do something Mm -hmm. like in the technology area so they could just have it? Mm-hmm. And I never forget the guy's name was Juan Victoria. Yeah, I said his <laughs> name. Uh, or as I like to call him, the devil himself. He came over to me and said, look, you can't even spell IT. Like, Bam! Oh, man. Right. So stop coming up with things that you think can happen. And I was like, Ooh. no, he did not. I know this is possible. And he was right. At the time, I couldn't spell IT, but I knew it was possible. (laughs) So I went and bought this book. So all I really wanted to do was figure out how to get the customers who were calling into some type of software that I could actually see the last time they called and I could determine the next time they call. That program happened to be Excel. (laughs) And I bought this book called Excel for Professionals. Excel professionals went every 
did everything from defining what a cell was on a spreadsheet to mm -hmm. actually showing you how to write code. And for me, it's not enough to read. If, if people always ask me, what are one of their uh, things that made me successful? Mm -hmm. I am a person who executes. I don't want to learn something. I want to do something with what I learned. Yep. And so I would read something in, in that book and I would do it. I'd read a little more and I'd do it. I'd read a little more and I'd do it. And by the end of the book, we, I was literally writing code. And I didn't know I was writing code. But the code that I wrote not only allowed for Excel to trend and tell me when that person should be calling next, but it would go to the fax server, find that person's bill, and fax it to them. Wow, amazing. So now I had nothing to do. So I literally sat at my desk all day and played solitaire until my boss caught me. <laughs> and then what happened? Well, he didn't fire me, which I thought he was going to do immediately. He was actually, he's like, you can write code. And I was like, no, but I made this. He goes, that's code. I'm like, I don't know what code is. <laughs> and he, I didn't. And he moved me over into IT and said, teach her everything. Wow. And so I'm one of those anomalies that actually know everything. I don't want to say everything, but I know how to build networks. I know how to build computers. I know how to really? change out memory and keyboards and all that other stuff. I know how to design uh, websites. I know how to build websites. I know how to code them in the back end. I understand databases. Mm -hmm. So I have that hardware to software to front end that whole piece, right? As compared to being a specialist. So then you were, you were in a good job. You were, everything was going well. Why did you leave? The company actually went out of business because they were first a payphone company and payphones went oh, away. Yeah. And then they became this cellular company that had cell phones in the cars. Well, mm -hmm. cell phone in the cars went away, right? <laughs> so okay. they, they were going out of business. Like I could see that trend happening. And I started doing the next best job of my life, which was I worked for the U.S. District Courts and I started giving presentations. People wow. loved that I understood geeky stuff, but I could speak English. <laughs> And I got certified in everything you could think of. If there was a programming language to get certified in, I wanted to get certified in it. If there was a network administration thing to get certified in, I wanted to get certified in it. Wow. And so, so I constantly increased my tech knowledge. And then at some point, you then started your own tech consultancy firm. When was that? Yeah. So after I left the U.S. District Courts, I um, started doing, and I will tell you, if anybody has the opportunity to do this, do this. I became a consultant that went around and I worked with several large, large businesses and, um, and, and would implement projects for them. I'm, I'm a certified PMP and Six Sigma black belt. And one of the things that- Sorry, say that, learned, say that what? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a certified PMP, which is a project management professional. So okay. I know how to take crap projects and make them give money. Okay. And, uh, and I'm a Six Sigma black belt, which means I'm karate. really good at process improvement. Right? Oh, I thought you were like black belt karate. You could, you know, I, I, I no, wasn't. Okay. No, I just know how to cut and shoot. I don't know how to kick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way different things. Um, in fact, there's a picture of me shooting down something uh, at the gun range recently. Yeah, I um, saw on that. On my Facebook page. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. A cardboard man. You, you, you should feel very yeah, good I about yourself. Him. I decapitated <laughs> him. It was awesome. Anyway. <laughs> um, I want to no, fast so forward, Dawn. I want to fast forward for a second. I want to kind of switch gears. Yeah. Comes the day that you've built up this, and we'll go back and we'll obviously we'll reverse engineer this, but there comes yeah. a day when somebody offers you quarter of a billion dollars for your tech consultancy firm. Yeah. 
take us to that day, okay? What happened and what was going through your head at that point? You know, it's so funny because, and, and, and this is going to disappoint some people, okay. that day is so anticlimactic because <laughs> it's literally just sitting there and you're doing signal signatures and no one walks in the room with a suitcase full of cash. Like none of that. Okay. Ha- you just sit there and you, you, you literally like signing papers okay. for hours <laughs> and then you shake hands and then you go have lunch. Okay, so you and went to have lunch. someone has to say, by the way, you know, yeah. you just earned a quarter billion dollars, right? right. Like someone has to say that to you. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think? I mean, you know, just this is nuts because I'm picturing this little girl sitting in a car in the middle of a forest with snakes falling on on, on the car and she has to go and shower in a local gym and eat health. But and then fast forwarding and suddenly you're signing papers and you've just sold your company for a quarter of a billion dollars. Like what what? What are you thinking at that point? Like, are you like, what the hell just happened? Or you know, you I know, mean, it was it was my mom actually who helped me have a little clarity into what happened because for me it was just the only difference between that day and tomorrow is that tomorrow I wasn't going to have to go to work, right? Like, well, not mm-hmm. a lot of work. I still had to do some consulting with, yeah. but it, it, you know what I mean. Yeah. So my mom actually clarified it for me, and she said. Um, she goes, you remember when you were little, we used to catch the bus and we go to look at the big houses and they had like three fans on the back porch and a pool. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I remember that. And, you know, and I said, and and I told her, I said, I always wanted to be able to afford to live in one of those houses. Mm. And, and I said, because they were big, they were huge. They were like mansions. Mm -hmm. And she goes, do you remember the houses? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we got in the car and we drove over to those houses And I looked at them and she goes, honey, you never realize where you are because you're so focused on the journey that sometimes you forget about the present. Hmm. She goes, that house that you looked at when you were a little girl was 2,000 square feet. She goes, the house you live in right now is 8,000 square feet. (laughs) You surpassed that goal that you're trying to get to a long time ago. (laughs) Like, I didn't even (laughs) know it. And so she she told me, it it was my mom who said, I really want you to recognize this moment and where you are and what you've accomplished because you've come a long way. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, it doesn't even feel like it's you, right? It's, it's just surreal. And the, the question more so than what do you feel like in that moment is what do you do next when you don't need anything? Mm. It's a good question. What right? Do you How do, do, do you stay hungry right. and focused and driven? Mm. It's a good question. I do it every year. So, so, so what's the answer? How do you stay motivated? You know, so every year, so I'll, I'll start with money. Every year. So my, the accounts that I work with, my actual financial accounts, mm-hmm. every year I start them out at just about zero. It's usually somewhere maybe about 1000 or $2,000. So on January 1st, there is a $2,000 in my account. And my job from January 1st to the end of the year is to get it to seven figures. Hold on. Whoa, 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 one second. But where's all the money then? All the money is is put away for investments. And you don't spend. It's a mistake that most <laughs> entrepreneurs make. Most right. entrepreneurs screw this up. It's called Silicon Valley Syndrome. <laughs> they go, they have this fantastic idea. They sell this fantastic idea for 
hundreds of millions of dollars. And then they take those hundreds of millions of dollars and they put it into their next idea. And then what they end up doing is they just constantly throw money at the problem, which is not smart. Mm -hmm. If you continue to be hungry and not have money to throw at the problem, you will continue to come up with the next best idea and innovative ways to solve it. When you can just throw money at it, you stop thinking about it. Right. You're saying it's a lazy approach just to throw money at something. Very lazy approach. A very lazy approach. So I don't do that. So every Mm. year I literally start my company at zero. Now, it's not that I took $250 million and just threw it away. No, that's (laughs) an investment. But I did not take that money and reinvest in my next venture. So I get frustrated. The one thing that frustrates me about entrepreneurs is they always say, well, it's easy for you because you have money. And I'm like... No, because every year I start off with $2,000. <laughs> so you're telling me that over how many years have you been doing this now? That since you uh, sold? Since 2000, so nine years. So for nine years, every year you have made a million dollars from scratch. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, probably the fifth year out. Not every year, probably about the fifth year out. So for four years consecutively for four years i didn't for four years i didn't and i didn't because i didn't remember to to eat my own dog food or drink my own wine or whatever you call it i didn't remember to go back to the the basics and do what i knew how to do okay so but for the past few years Mm -hmm. you've basically from scratch made a million dollars a year every year what does it take to do that so the first thing is that you you definitely, no questions asked, have to have your core. You have to know your core so, so cold. It has to be a part of you. You have to know that thing that you do, the target market who wants it and how you're going to deliver it to them. You have to know that so well that it's a part of your soul. That's where people screw up. When I talk to most entrepreneurs, they are doing everything. They're bridge building, dog walking, you know, toenail <laughs> cleaning. Like they're doing everything. I'm like, dude, oh, yeah. pick one. <laughs> I meet them all the time. Toenail cleaners. They're, they're, yeah. Oh all my the time. gosh. Right. Yeah. There is, and I'm like, you, you got, you have to. And here's the hardest thing about picking. If you're really stupid, it's really easy to pick because you only know one thing anyway. Hmm. That's why. Some people who are really, really stupid are really, really successful because they only know how to do one thing and they just keep doing that one thing until they find success. You know what's so incredible that's going through my head right now, Donna? It's so powerful. It's that it's the complete opposite of what people think. People think you've got to be smart to make money. People think you've got to have money to make money. People think you've got to be well-connected to make money. People People think you've got to be highly skilled to make money. But what you've been saying is essentially, actually, your intelligence gets in your way, your money gets yes. in your way, the yes. options gets in the way, and actually yes. being very simple in every way possible is the probably the most likely way for you to be successful. Absolutely. Stop wow. overcomplicating everything. Stop looking for... People are always looking for, you know, the next quantum theory <laughs> thing that they're going to sell, and it's not that complicated. It's... If you want to know your expertise, the one thing that's always going to make you successful, it's that thing that you have been, that you know how to do, that you have experience in, that you have a methodology to complete, and that you can use to solve a challenge for others. If you have that be, know, do, have, solve, 
when you have that nailed, that's what you should do. And here's the thing. Entrepreneurs are always trying to find exactly what's perfect. You're always seeking out perfection. No. Mm. Pick something, work on it. If it's not making you the money you don't that you want it to make, it's fine to switch gears and keep going. But don't stop moving. Make money where you can. And then if you have to switch up, switch up. It's fine. It's it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Worry about being profitable. Perfection will find a way. Okay, so you just said be, know, do, have, sold. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Wow, be, I nailed Be, know, do, have, sold. Nice. Can we go through that? Okay, so B, yeah. you, you just talked about your core, right? Finding your core. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you, so let's start with that. How do you find your core? How did you so find start, your core? So for me, so my core changed several times. Okay. That, that, remember I said that first four years? Mm-hmm. So that first four years was me trying to figure out what was it that I was supposed to do. So I started with, well, I was a woman in business. I can help other women be successful women of in course. businesses. Right. Right. And I did that. And then I realized that, and I know there are women out there that right now are going to hate me, but they'll get mm -hmm. over it. Is that <laughs> the very people that I was trying to help, those women were the very people standing in their own way. Mm. And so I was like, can't do it. Nope. Done with that. Right. Okay. So it wasn't going to be women in business. And then I went into, um, I was going to say, okay, I'm going to go and do project management speaking. I'm going to go and teach people how to take really bad projects and turn those projects around because that has been one of the things that I do really well. Mm -hmm. the, the challenge with doing that was that I didn't own the methodology. I don't own the project management professional methodology. Right. So that means that I couldn't make changes to it and be a thought leader. So I didn't like that. Then I looked at leadership and innovation. Well, innovation, I think people don't ever actually understand it. They think it's the next techno gadgety widgety thing of a Bob. And they're always hiring the wrong type of people to talk about it. So I wasn't interested in that. <laughs> when I finally, what, I, what happened was I was sitting and talking to someone and they had to do a negotiation. And I said, this is how I would do it. And I actually laid it out for them. And I had this methodology. And I said, because when I had to negotiate my deal and all our deals, this is what I would do. And here are the triggers. And this is how you quote mm. unquote ethically manipulate people. And so we I did like this whole ethically thing. Ethically manipulate. So ethically manipulate. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how you do that. And and the person sat there and said, Oh my God, I will pay you tens of thousands of dollars to come and teach this to my sales team. Hmm. I said, Really? Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, are you get this? And then that so it was someone else literally pointed out to me, like, hmm. Are you kidding me? This is brilliant. Is that the and core so that you stuck with, Donna? Is that what you stuck with? That's the core? Yes. You know what yes. I love about that? Can I just stop this for a second? Yes. What I love about that is this. You were trying to find your core, and every time you thought that that was your core, and we get all excited, right? We wake up one morning, we're like, oh my God, I got it. This is exactly That's what it. I need to do. I'm going to change the world. This is who I am. Yes, I finally found it. And then like a couple of weeks later, it's like, I don't really like doing that. <laughs> it's like, you know, but the funniest thing is, is you didn't find your core, your core found you. And I know that sounds really cheesy, so you can all groan, but that's the truth. It really is, it is that your core will find you. It, it just, it just will, it will, it will just present itself to you. So and this is what happened. And here's how right? it finds you. And mm -hmm. here's how it finds you because so many people miss this part. 
they want to go and find their core in a box. They want to sit home, they want to sit in front of their desk, and they just want to stare at a piece of paper or a monitor until their core just magically comes to them. (laughs) Your core comes from sharing your information. The more information you share, the more your core will expose itself. Wow, love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, so true. So share as much as you can. Even if you, it doesn't matter if no one's listening. Just keep doing it. Keep sharing. Keep sharing. Anything you come across, anything you learn about. I was on a phone call today with three people and they each gave me three things just during our conversation. They're like, oh my gosh, you have to do live streams on those. Now to me, the things that I said were innocuous and they didn't mean anything. They were like skin to me, but mm-hmm. to them it was something very new. That's what people miss out on. You can't see yourself in the mirror. You mm-hmm. can't. We think we can. And I can prove to anyone listening that you can't see yourself in the mirror. Okay. Because everyone does this. So I want you to imagine that you're getting ready to go out. And you're going out with that, that, that one person that, that's your friend, that's your buddy, that's your girlfriend, that's your boyfriend, that's your husband, your wife. It's that person, that person whose opinion means the most to you. And you go in your bathroom and you do your hair and you put on your clothes. And, and if you're a woman, well, guy, you do your makeup, put on some heels. You know, you know, you look amazing. You've stared at yourself in the mirror now for 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> and you walk out of the bathroom, you walk into the living room, you look for the person who's waiting there for you. And what is the first thing that you ask them? How you do look, I look? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you just watch it yourself for 45 minutes to an hour in the bathroom. You now need someone else to tell you how you look. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is really funny. Right? We do it right. all the time. There right. are other people that know your core. They know it. They mm. probably don't know that they know it sometimes, but they know it. And there's value that you give to them. Keep giving it. Your core will expose itself. I love it. I love it. And also, it... it it, maybe it's an exercise to do is to 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 ask your closest ones the closest people to you what do i like when you think of me what do you think of like what do you like let them tell you because they they probably some, know and that. sometimes right. that's hard because they don't know right mm. so yeah. actually what i suggest so so and and this is not about people buying my book they don't have to buy my book but actually at the very beginning there is a part that talks about finding your core and and it yeah. goes into the details of the be, know, do, have, solve, and how to do that exercise and how to continuously do it over and over and over again until your core exposes itself. When I found mine, it wasn't like I thought it was it, and it wasn't like two weeks later I was like, uh, it was it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. What's that book so that those listening can get a copy of it? What is the name of the book? It's called The Six Kick-Ass Strategies of the Million Dollar Entrepreneur. But I can make it easier for them to find. Yeah, it's a long title. It's the okay. Sick, well, why do you make it so long? Jeez, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I roll. I hear that. All right. To, they go to get and then the number 6ix.com. Yep. Get the number 6ix.com. Yep. So it's right there. Or they could always go to uh, Donna.com and click on the book. Cool. Well, those those links will be in the show notes. Uh, so when, when we... When you guys finish listening to this, you know, head over to, to my, my show notes and uh, you can click the links there and you can get the book. Uh, that book goes through all of the steps, essentially, that, that Donna took, yes. you know, going from homeless to building a quarter of a billion dollar company. I mean, I need to get a hold of that book and I highly, highly recommend it to anybody listening to this. Um, I want to talk about the FBI hostage negotiator because I'll be honest with you, yes. Donna, 
I actually interviewed a leading hostage, uh, leading FBI hostage negotiator, a guy called Chris Voss. Oh, who, yes, yes, yes. I know Chris. You do? Yeah. Okay, so he was on my show and he talked about ne- negotiation tactics. What made you decide to go? Because most people in business, when they think of getting like a business mentor or a consultant, they usually like go for somebody who's in business, right? Or a consultant, <laughs> right? What made right. you go looking for an FBI hostage negotiator to get as your mentor? Well, the funny thing is, is that I, I wasn't actually looking for one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I used to work for the U.S. District Courts. Yes. Um, and they have uh, marshal service negotiate people who work for the marshal service, people who work for the FBI, people who work for the CIA that come through all the time. This one particular person and I hit it off and we were friends. And mm-hmm. uh, when I would talk about negotiations in business, just because we were friends, he would always say, oh, well, let me tell you what you didn't do right there. Or let me tell you how to fix this here. And so over years, we've been really good friends. But over years, this is what he taught me to do. So what are some of the, the biggest lessons, I guess, in negotiations uh, that you learned and that you applied to business? He who speaks for he who speaks most loses. It's not about uh, and here's a great example. I'm speaking the most during this interview, right? Yeah, I'm shutting Which up now. That, <laughs> <laughs> Which means that I'm giving up information which means i'm losing information it's actually coming out of me and into the world so Mm -hmm. that's that's giving up something so he who speaks most loses the other thing the other big one and this one is huge for the most part especially when you're talking about entrepreneurs or anyone in sales for the most part when someone says something about a challenge that they have or an issue that they have we immediately go into solution mode we want to solve their problem yeah. An FBI hostage negotiator will tell you the best thing to do is to ask the next best question. Your job is to get as much information out as you possibly can. Because the more information you get out, the more pieces of the puzzle you can put together. People will start telling you things that you didn't, that they weren't expecting to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how to get people to give up a lot of information that they weren't expecting to give up. And um, when you do that, you will be able to put together a better response to whatever their challenge is, and they will feel like you have their best interests at heart. That's really interesting because I, I feel like it's counterintuitive because, you know, if you're on a sales call, number one, you want to tell them everything about what you can offer them. So that goes out the window based on your number one rule, which is he who speaks most loses. Then mm-hmm. the second thing is you you know, you want to close the deal, right? And so you kind of want to, you know, go for the sale. And you're saying that you should just ask the next best question instead of, you know, trying to persuade, you know, persuade them. So here's the, here's a question for you. Yeah. Why do you, why is it that when entrepreneurs get on sales calls, they need to, I think you said, uh, tell the person on the other end everything that they have to offer why do they need to do that well because they assume that the more value we build up the more likely the person will take out their credit card and and pay for the product or service okay Mm -hmm. i want i want you to imagine do you guys have like a store like do like have you heard of like walmart one of those 
big stores that have a bunch of stuff in it. Yeah, I know what Walmart is. <laughs> okay, okay. I wasn't well, born I under know. a rock. <laughs> okay, okay, cool, cool. Okay, so I want you to imagine that I'm calling you. Yeah. And I want you to go to Walmart with me. Okay. Or I want you to come shop at Walmart. Yeah. And I go, you know, you should really come shop at Walmart because we have baby clothes. Um, mm-hmm. We have girls' clothes. We have women's clothes. We have men's clothes. We have stuff in the TV department. Notice mm-hmm. how I'm going through a list. Yeah. We have groceries. We have this. Now, do you have, do you have a daughter? I have a daughter, yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah. Do you wear women's clothes? Sometimes, like, on ch- ch- Tuesdays. Okay. Yeah. Right, so, okay, so I got two of them. But you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? If I'm I just keep kidding. going through that list, mm-hmm. there are yeah. going to be some of those things. They're like, why is she telling me about... I don't care, you know, right. and you know, we have stuff like if you have hemorrhoids, we got stuff for hemorrhoids, <laughs> we got stuff for more fiber in your diet, we have like, we have condoms that come in every shape and size, All like, right. you so why are you telling me this, right? Okay. But that's what salespeople do. They get on the phone and they start telling the person on the other end about everything they have because what they have not done is gotten enough information out of the person on the phone to offer them the one thing that they want. Hmm. And you're saying essentially that you can overwhelm the buyer into not buying. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, <laughs> if you take a child and you take that child to a, let's say a candy store mm-hmm. and you say mm-hmm. to that kid, listen, you can have any piece of candy you want in the store. I know there are thousands of choose from. You can have any, just one piece of candy to choose from. That kid is going to take an hour. They're going to pass out from the thought. They're going to come back and negotiate for two or three because they're all their favorites, right? Yeah. But if you take that same kid and you put three pieces of candy in your hand and say, pick one, how long do you think it's going to take them to choose? Mm-hmm. They're going to pick one immediately. It's yeah. the same thing yeah. with any buyer. If you give them too many choices, they don't make any. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know what? It's you interesting, Dorna, because I've 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 seen now a common thread throughout this whole conversation that we've been having, and and one of the things that I like to do uh, in all of my episodes, all of my interviews, is I, I try to find the common thread. Like, what's the one thing that I can really bring home to the people listening? Because you know, you can listen to podcast shows, and you can watch YouTube videos, and you can get really inspired, and you can go to you know seminars and the problem is, I find that if, if there's too much information, if there's too many things to take home, usually you go home with nothing. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing that you can take and you can use it, that's, that's key. And the, and the ironic thing is, that is the theme of today's episode. The theme of, of today's you know, conversation is essentially just keep it simple. Like, yeah. the kiss, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. You, you you literally didn't know any better and that's why you ended up becoming so successful like you ended up in the IT department because you didn't know what you were doing you just thought well this this is interesting that this could be done better and you just simply went ahead and and every single person along your path that told you you were dumb and you were stupid and you didn't know they're like where are they right now yeah, right. and where are you, <laughs> right? Because, like you said, Donna, like people overcomplicate life, mm-hmm. right? Finding your core is a simple. It's simple. It just comes to you, right? And and 
And selling doesn't have to be complicated. Closing deals is all about just listening to the person, finding that one thing that they really want. And how do you find that one thing? By listening and asking the right questions and not trying to talk too much, not trying to be overcomplicated and and try to tell them about all the different amazing bells and whistles that your product or service can do. And it all comes down to that one thing, which is just keep it simple and put one foot in front of the other. And I love, love the fact that you said that you don't, you don't just read for the sake of reading. You no. implement. It's all about implementing. It's taking a piece of a, an idea, an inspiration, something, and just implementing it. All the uh, time. And, uh, and it's the yeah. one thing that, you know, I, I jokingly say, I don't read. It's not that I don't read. I read in order to do something with the information. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of the reasons why I don't read serial killer no- novels because <laughs> I have no choice. Um, so so I always keep it on take simple consistent action. That's all you have to do because the thing is if you consistently do whatever you're doing, there are people that might be doing the same thing. But here's the one thing that I can tell you: most people quit, most right. people give up, and they stop. But if you keep going, you're going to win. He who doesn't stop wins. So keep going. So anytime I pick up a book and I read it, let me tell you, the people that I help the most, they'll, they'll pick up the phone and they'll call me and they'll go, look, I am not rich by a long shot. I don't have a whole bunch of money, but I read your book. And you know what? I know the back of your book is all a workbook. So I started filling in the workbook and I was wondering if I just took a picture of the first few pages and send it to it, would you help me? Mm-hmm. There are so many people that I go, Absolutely. No problem at all. I don't charge them a dime. I look at it and I give them feedback. The one person who I'll tell you is is someone who I mentored. His name is Dre Alday, right? <laughs> DreAlday.com is where you can find him. He has 40 million YouTube views. Whoa. The, yeah, like a couple. Like he hates YouTube, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dre has done a video every day for Love years. It. I think he has something like 3,000 videos. He, wow. he was out there since YouTube like came out. Wow. And the reason that I work so closely with Dre, no money exchanged hands, is because anytime I said something to him or asked something to him or suggested something to him, he went and took immediate action. Not, I didn't hear, oh, well, my dog is sick. My cat <laughs> has hairballs. You know, <laughs> I have a hangnail. Like he never gave me that. Right. He said, I'll get, back, I'll get that back to you within 48 hours. You know, you, you had a, a phobia of, of sea life, right? And, <laughs> right? Sorry, I'm going to bring this up, yes. right? And now, now you literally, you go snorkeling and diving. Like, how do you do that? How do you have a phobia and then, and then, and then go diving every day? You know, when I, you know, when I was going to, uh, when I was going to get in my car and go on the road, I asked my mom about advice on going on the road. And my mom said, and I I really wanted her to tell me like, what should I do? And she goes, will it kill you, Donna? Is it going to be the end of you? And I'm like, Mm. she she was really really like, what's the worst that could happen? And I'm like, I could literally die. I could go (laughs) on the road. I could get in my car. I could go up. I could start heading north. A serial killer could, get, and I said this: my car could break down on the road. A serial killer could get me, and I could be up in like Ziploc bags, spread out all over the eastern seaboard of the United States. Yes, uh-huh. that could happen. 
And she said, well, if you're dead, you won't remember, so you should go for it. <laughs> so that's how I get over every phobia. Everything I do, I'm like, if it kills me, I won't remember. So I might as well do it. Should I sing the song? What's the song? I don't know if I should sing this. Should I sing the song? Sing All the right. song. What's the song? I need to hear it. Sing it. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> na, na, na. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Exactly. There we and go. I did it. Because you're not going to remember if it kills you, so you might as well do it. You won't remember the trauma from it. And I'm like, so true. <laughs> so, so, you know, so you know the song? Yes, I do. I'm not you're, singing with you. We, let's do it. Come on. Come on, Donna. Oh, come on. oh my Ready? God. Ready? Three, two, two, one. What doesn't kill you? Come on. Come on. Oh, I love it. Donna, you've been, you've been absolutely amazing. Donna, what's the best way my listeners can get in touch with you? Um, you know what? If they go to my website, which is Donna, D-A-W-N-N-A dot com, and they really want to get in touch with me, my contact page is there. It comes straight to my inbox. And so, yes, I read those emails. They come right to me. Mm -hmm. Um, another way is I do Facebook live streams probably about three days a week and they're always on some type of business topic. So if they go to facebook.com slash Donna S, they will find there as well as uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Very cool. And you have to be very complicated with your name, didn't you? I mean, what were your, what were your parents? That's my fault. That's my mom's fault. That's your mom's fault. Well, if if your mom's, if your mom's listening to this, what were you smoking when you called her Donna with a D-A-W-N-N-A. What the heck? I mean, at least you managed to buy the domain name, right? Who's going to buy D-A-W-N-N-A.com? So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that would be easy for our listeners to to remember, right? Um, So guys, check it out. Go to danielgeffen.com forward slash 81 and all the links with all the resources that we spoke about, including Donna's book and her link to her website and her social um, finger midjigs, for lack of a better word. Uh, <clears throat> Donna, thanks so much. Term. Yeah, it's a technical term. I've now coined it, so nobody can use that. Donna, thanks so much for letting me pick your brain, and thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking. You've been listening your to brain. the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So, to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.